0: Be bold and be strong. Be bold and be strong. Amen. Jesus, Lord, we model ourselves after you. Lord, and we look into your word this morning in your direction, what your words are for us, what the apostles have laid down for us under inspiration of your spirit, bringing record of you, your word. And then given unto us inspired word of God. And Lord, so we thank you this morning. I, I just ask you this morning that when we're done, that we will be encouraged to be bold and to be strong. And we thank you for it, Jesus. Everyone said, amen. The weak need, sissified, pampered person need not apply for Christianity. And I'm just one of those guys that that I'm, I'm going to take the Scripture literally this morning. Weak-hearted people are not going to make it. Years ago, somebody made mention of this the other day, because I've told this story a few times, and, and let me say it again. We were meeting in a, a conference Uh, Way up in the hills, they call it a holy convocation, and it was just for those people that wanted to put a couple of days away. We fasting and praying, and it started out very small. We just had a few, maybe ten, and then the next year it built up, and I think we finally, finally ended up to about forty or fifty guys that, that were just mainly workers, ministers, youth directors, preachers, pastors. And Brother Elder Cox got up, and it kind of shocked me at the time, but he did say it, and he was right. He said, I love all you guys. All you guys are are great. You're serving the Lord. You're doing well. But half of you aren't going to make it. And that just, you know, that's so negative. I mean, we're at a meeting where we're encouraging guys, right? And somebody get up and say, half of you are not going to make it. That just sounds like a real downer. It's uh, so uh, negative. And then you go away wondering, am I one of those? You know, so it kind of cast a little shadow on you there. I don't think he was trying to do that. But what he said was actually 100% correct. And tracing those men that were there, I knew him, and tracing that out, I would say at least 50% of them or more did not make it in following Jesus, didn't make it in ministry, and made it with their families. And, and that's a sad sad thing because, you know, that's kind of the elite of the people that we were working with, the ministers, pastors, and, and elders. And for them not to make it, it, it really said something to me that there's There's this thing about Christianity that's more than just jumping on the merry-go-round and going around a few times. This thing is a life effort. It's an everyday life effort. Say, well, it gets easier. No, it doesn't get easier. It's the same. You get up every day, and every day you have to you have to control the flesh. You have to get reign over the flesh. You have to submit yourself to God. You have to get into every day. And so this idea that we're just gonna jump on it and and things are gonna go well and and all's gonna be nice when I become a Christian. I've never told anybody that and I won't this morning. Tell you that everything's going to be good when you become a Christian. I'll tell you what is going to be good. You're going to be delivered out of the power of sin. You're going to be able to serve with a with a right heart and know Jesus as your Savior and and be able to walk in this life free and clean and above board and 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 respectful in your life. I can tell you that, but there's many times of discomfort and coming into this thing thinking that no nothing's ever ever going to happen. You're you're going to be sadly disappointed because there are many times of discomfort in the Christian life. There are many times of enduring hardship as a good soldier. There's many times of self-denial. In fact, I believe it is every day what Jesus said. Take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. And so for me to stand here and tell you this morning that That you need to get on this thing and just just join up with the Jesus bus and away you go. Let me say it this way. You need to count the cost because there is a cost in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is free and it stops there. Everything else you're going to put your back into, you're going to work at and if you maintain a Christian life, It's going to be because you have surrendered every day in your life to the Lord. There's just too many times that you can be caught up in the flesh and and not want to take heed to the Word of God. You're going to have to be taught. You're going to be reproved. You're going to be corrected. You're going to be instructed in righteousness. And I don't like that. You know, I grew up, my parents let me do what I wanted to do. But now that you've come to the house of God, you're going to be corrected. Let me say, man, that not that old school? That's as old as it gets. And that's where I'm at this morning. I'm not serving this new religious thing. I'm serving an old order. I'm serving something that was laid down 2,000 years ago, and, and this new modern philosophy in the church is not going to cut it. But you're, you're going to be reproved. You're, you're going to be corrected and instructed. That's what the Word of God does, and the preachers of the Word of God take part in that action. But I don't like that. I, I've never been treated that way. Well, it's about time in your life you get treated that way. Not treated bad. Treat it in love that somebody will tell you the truth. We need to tell the truth. Can you say amen? And so there's too many times that, that you're going to be disappointed by people. You're going to be disappointed by leaders. You're going to be disappointed by other saints. There's just so many times that can discourage you. And so you're going to have to be bold. And be strong. The weakness is not going to work. No, I've got to be strong in the Lord. And, And so all the disappointments, all the hardships, all the things that need to be corrected and reproved in my life, it all goes together. And then I think about that quandary of unanswered prayers in my life that I've been praying for. And and sometimes I'm going to tell you something. You might want something. You might pray about it. Then you're going to have to be bold and strong to hang in there until God does his perfect work in our life. Can you say amen? How many of you this morning feel like that you're in process? You just feel like, okay, God, I'm in process. I haven't arrived, but thank God I have left the port. You know, I've left the station, and, and I'm on my way. I haven't totally got where I need to be yet, but but thank you, Lord. Keep the good work up in my life. Amen. And no one lays around the kingdom of God on goose-down pillows. Won't have any of that for anybody. Come in here, and God just going to treat you with kit gloves. Man, nobody is going to say a word you don't want to hear. It's going to be so nice when you come into Christianity. No, I have to tell you that isn't the truth. Matthew eleven twelve, Jesus said it this way: From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God is taken by force. The King James says, "suffereth, suffereth um, violence, and a violent it by force," but literally means this: the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. And the ones who are eager in pursuit of it, take possession of it. Be bold and be strong. You know, it's an amazing thing when when the Lord addresses people in the Scripture, that He always addresses them with this idea that, that you're going to be able to do by the power of god something that you can't do by yourself but this timid little weak little little sissified religion that's going around and i speak to that this morning because it's very popular and it's all part of that you know jesus is going to do everything and i don't need to do anything but there's always this directive of the lord be bold jesus our master was a fearless leader. He's been portrayed as this soft little love everything, love everybody guy, but but that's a wrong picture of the Lord. We find him being bold and being strong. Can you say amen? We don't find him being weak and making concession. I want you to show me one place in the Bible where the Lord has made concession. Oh, well, you know, the people want it that way, so I guess we'll just do it that way. You know, we want the people to feel good. And so we make a concession. No, the Lord said, here is the way, and now your responsibility is walk in it. And so he doesn't do things that are are going to make the crowd feel better. And Jesus never did that. He always, in fact, it it always kind kind of stirs me that when the Lord is done speaking and he looks around, and he sees that many many people have left, turns to his disciples and says, Are you offended too? And Peter, by the Spirit of God, he rose up with the right answer. No, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. I'm going to tell you something about Jesus' pick of his disciples. He never went down to the king's house where they're sitting in cushy living luxury, but he went out to the seaside where there were men that were tough, and they were strong, and they were bold. And he took men that would not just fall for anything, that wouldn't just turn over for anybody or anything, that they were strong in character. And I'm going to tell you this, and I believe this, a good, strong man will make a good, strong Christian. A good, lazy person will make a good, lazy Christian. But the the answer of the Lord is always be bold because... That's exactly what he is. He is so bold about what he does. He doesn't take a back seat. He doesn't let anybody get in front of him. His gospel is primary. His action, his mission is primary. No one's going to stop him. No one's going to bring him down. But he's going to stand in all boldness of God as a man. And he will carry this thing on his shoulders. We find him. In the middle, I love this picture of the Lord. We find him in the middle of the cultural icon of his day, the Jewish temple. That was the place that they held in the greatest regard and esteem of anything in their society. The temple was the main focus. And out of the temple came everything in their Jewish life. Out of it came all the teaching. Out of it came all of the civil rule and law. And Jesus standing right up in the middle, and he situated himself right in the middle of that thing, standing there with a whip and daring them to come in and continue that, that worship that they were doing, which was just nothing but a religious charade. It had no heart in it. They were buying and selling and, and making, making their religion, but Jesus standing there with a whip, and I see him as a bold man and a strong man. I don't know how much muscles he had, but he's daring them to come back in there with that stuff. He will whip them out of the temple again because he is very bold about what he believes and about what he teaches. Can you say amen? He openly rebukes the hypocritical priests and rulers of that day. They've come to challenge him. We find that continually in the New Testament. That the Pharisees and the rulers, the scribes, they come to challenge him. And he always stands there bold in what he believes. Bold in his teaching. And I can see him this morning. Maybe I don't think it would be beyond him to point his finger. And I know that's not the picture that we have of the Lord. We just have him this way. He's just so precious and just, just long hair holding sheep and things. No, I don't see him as, as being my master. I see the Lord now pointing at those who have come there this morning to challenge him and say to them, You hypocrite! You whitewashed sepulchre! These are the main men of Jewish society. These are the upper echelon. Of, these are the educated. These are those who hold themselves in higher esteem than anyone else. You hypocrites. You whitewassers. You vipers. You heritage of vipers. And he called them out with boldness. Jesus called them out. And I like that because he didn't sit back. He didn't just let it go. He called it out, and it was right what he said. Can you say amen? It was right for him to call them out. He answers the high priest in his trial. He answers the high priest with contempt. If they would have been in one of our courts, they would have held him in contempt of court which they did worse than that to him, falsely accusing him. But he, he didn't answer the high priest as though the high priest was right. He answered him as though he was wrong. In fact, after he had answered the high priest, one of the servants of the high priest slapped him in the face and said, Would you answer, would you answer the high priest of God in this manner? But he's bold. Can you say amen? He defies the power of the Roman regional governor, Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate says to him, Don't you know I have the power to do with you what I want to do? And Jesus' retort is, You have no power except that which has been given unto you. I'm trying to say this morning that I'm following a master. That I'm trying to be like. And he was bold. He was bold. They took him over to Herod. King Herod. Herod wanted to see some things. Maybe a miracle that he would do. And I like this because Jesus just stared him down. Wouldn't answer him a word. Just stared him down because he was bold. His things were more important to him than what anyone else thought. The apostles and disciples of this man, Jesus, they observed his boldness. They saw him as a man who was bold about everything that he did, and they carried that tradition on. I want you to follow the lives of those apostles, and those apostles, they rejected the mandates of the Jewish Supreme Court. That takes some boldness. Can you say amen? We're in a day where a lot of mandates are coming down. They're being handed down, rather. And all a mandate here and a mandate there, and and who knows where all that's going to stop. And and it's going to take some boldness, and you may not disagree with some mandates, but there may be some mandates that you are totally dead set against. It's going to take some boldness in your life to be able to stand up against those kind of mandates. For the apostles, it was a mandate that they teach no more in this name, that they don't talk to the people anymore in this name, that they don't utter this name anymore, and directly they defied the mandates because they knew that their Lord was bold and that they could be bold in their Lord, and they stood up on the street corner again. They stood in the temple again. They went house to house, and they preached This name of Jesus right in the face of the mandates that were thrown down at them. They preached this name, and this gospel has not changed over the course of time. Let me tell you what's changed. It's the players that's changed and not the gospel. The gospel is still to be presented as bold. Well, you may not fill a church. They may not invite you down to the mayor's meetings to see what you have to say. You may not fit in a lot of places. You may not even fit in your home. But let me tell you something this morning. If you're not bold in the things of God, you're not going to profit in them at all. It takes a boldness that the, the disciples prayed, God. Don't you think they were already bold? They'd just come out of arrest. They'd just come standing before the Sanhedrin they get home with the saints and said, God, make us bold. I would have to say, God, make us bolder than what we have been. And suddenly the place is shaken. God answers those kind of prayers. Can you say amen? God doesn't always answer to give me what I want and this and that and the other and all things. That doesn't always happen. But you begin to pray for boldness in your life. And I'm going to tell you what will happen. God is going to shake up your life and he's going to deliver unto you some boldness inside of You that you're going to be able to speak the word of God boldly. Secondly, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. There's this old saying that goes way back if you stand for nothing you will fall for anything. Don't we see that going on all around us? You can act like you stand for something, but you're really not strong in it. You won't continue in that, especially when affliction comes or or something is going to happen if you stand in that and you're bold in that and you suddenly realize you're not as strong in that as what you thought you were. And it's so true. Listen, politicians and big mass media, mega media, uses this concept to work on the people. The people will say one thing, but they're really not convinced of it. They really, they're not strong in it. They just They just say it. And then a politician comes and he kind of chatters a little bit and then the media works on it and begin to spin some stuff. And then suddenly I see all around us in this country, people who said they believed one thing and don't believe that anymore, it's because they weren't strong in it. They, they thought it might be right. They thought they should maybe stand in that, but but really when the test came down, when when the time came down to have to deal with it, then, then I really don't believe that. And Rodney likes to, to say this and, and use this terminology, is that, that there's a hill to die on, but most people don't have a hill in mind that they're going to die on. Just kind of floating through life. Really nothing is that important to them. That I'm actually gonna stand in a place. You can only back up so far, and then finally, you know, you fall off the edge, whatever, but there is a place. Where we're gonna stop and where we're gonna stand and where we are we are going to be strong in and where we're standing. Look at this country and, and what's going on in this country, and I can see the reflection of that in the church is that we back up and we back up and we back up. Listen, we are to the place in this country that the forefathers who fought Britain for freedom would actually revolt against our Congress and our Senate. Because the things that are being handed down are worse than the things than the King of England was handing down. But when you back up and back up and back up, and you're never going to stand and never going to be strong, you never will find a place to stop regressing. So Christian, Christian people, Christian, Christianity wants to get along with everybody. So bad that we virtually quit standing for anything. And what we preached 20 years ago, it was okay because we had people with us. But when you preach it now, you don't have people with you. And so we tweak the message now. We tweak the church. We tweak the conduct. We tweak our lives so that they'll fit. Nobody feels bad. We want everybody to feel good. And the Lord himself, he looks around and he sees when he's done preaching that people have left. I want to tell you one thing about those who don't want to hear the gospel. You can sugarcoat it. You can make it sound good, but you will never get them in the kingdom. You only come in through the straight gate. Come on, say amen. There's a straight gate, and there's a narrow way, and there's a straight gate, straight door that you're going to come into. And if you don't come in there, anyone who comes in any other way is a thief and a robber, and they won't stay in anyway. So major denominations are now teaching how to integrate, listen to this, I I made this up, the various twisted groups of weirdos into the church body. I don't know if you've heard it. I've, I've heard it from big places, big movements. We need to see these people for what they are. They're just people. I mean, they've got a few things that may maybe need to be rearranged a little bit, but let's just get them in the church. And there we can just really just love them and and help. And, and that is the exact wrong approach to the gospel. The approach to the gospel is, here it is first. This is the gospel. If you don't like the gospel, you're not going to like it here. Somebody come in here that's weird and strange in all of their the mess that's going on and, and all the letters that go in front of their name and all that stuff, listen, I'm not going to turn anybody away that wants to find Jesus, but I'm not going to integrate anybody that wants to belong to that stuff. We've got somewhere to be strong. We have to somewhere have have a stop somewhere in the church that says we're not going down that path. Can you say amen? But it's no wonder denominations and big movements are doing that because look at their leadership afraid to offend and have become weak and soft i don't know where we got the idea that god's preachers should be weak and soft and where we got that from maybe they've been men of the cloth too long Their preachers look like, sound like, and act like queers. What do you think you're going to produce? I don't care if I preach 26 years and only two people have found the Lord, but they found the Lord in a way that they're going to stick with it and love Him and follow Him and go after Him. That has been worth that ministry. Can you say amen? We get a whole church full of people who are this and that and the other, and they call herself under the umbrella of Christianity, and it just, man, their life's a mess, their their, their conduct's a mess, they're living in sin, and we got a church full of that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you what happened, is we were not strong in the gospel message. God demands that the gospel message is strong. Can you say amen to that? And whoever came up with the idea that preachers should be soft and weak, I don't know where they got that from. I like the Apostle Paul. How many here likes the Apostle Paul? I just read the other day. He went to one of the churches and he said, Now, he said, when I went there, he said, I went there and worked. And so I was preaching, you know, on the weekend or whenever they met. But in the meantime, I was working. For one thing, he didn't want them to feel like he was taking advantage of them. And the second thing was he wanted to set an example. This is what men do. And I'm afraid that Bible colleges have taken that out of our preachers. I'm afraid that that just graduating into into ministry work and never i know preachers that have never worked they don't know what work is and and they're soft and and gushy and i hate it why shouldn't a man of god be calloused and tough when we look at the early apostles they were calloused men they were tough men they were strong men you couldn't drive the message out of them You could arrest them and put them in jail, but you could not get the message out of them. You could whip them. You could chase them from town to town. You could persecute them. It doesn't matter. They're going to take it. They're going to go. They're tough. They're bold. They're strong. They're not going to give up and not going to give in. And that's the way Christianity was founded. It wasn't founded on sissies. It wasn't founded on people that you can't tell what cultural thing they're going to do next. But they stood there by the power of God, by the strength of God, by the boldness of God, and began to proclaim a word that would set people free. And that's the gospel. Has anybody ever followed the circuit-riding preachers a little bit in this country? Little sissy guys. No, no, no. Traveling from town to town, making their rounds because they didn't have enough preachers to put in the churches and the works. Traveling on horseback in the rain, the snow, the weather, the wind, going to the next town. Sometimes they didn't have horses, they had to walk walking for miles and miles, tough men, calloused men, hard men, and you weren't going to shake them. They were going to shake you. They were going to preach this gospel to that congregation. They'd be back in another six months or whenever they made their rounds. These men were men that were tough. They were they were not sissies. They were not going to bow down to the elements of this world or people's will. But they carried on this gospel. And let me let you in on a secret this morning. God's last day preachers are going to emulate that same thing. His real preachers aren't going to be softies. His real preachers are going to be tough men. They're going to be calloused men. They're going to be experienced men who take the flow and tide of mankind and turn it around by the power of the gospel of the message of Jesus Christ. And they will not fail to do so because they are bold and strong in what they know and what they believe, what they have experienced in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I like that kind of preaching. I hope you like that. So we get to the text verse. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so, you know, we've prayed for people with this verse, quoting this verse, and somebody's afraid of something, they're worried, they're having trouble at night and sleeping and, and just, you know, upset, worried about some of the things that may happen, worried about our children. And, and we tell them, we tell them, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I don't believe God has given us a spirit of fear. But the English version didn't do good enough here, and you know this. I'm constantly checking these things up. The uh, Greek word for fear is is phobo, right? Well, this is not that word. This is a word that means cowardice. Hmm. They're going to change the meaning just a little bit here. God has not given us a spirit of cowardice. I don't believe he's given us a spirit of fear either. Do you believe that God wants you to be afraid of everything? No, no, I don't believe that. But he hasn't given us a spirit of In other words, his spirit is not a spirit of cowardice. I think it, it goes along with that idea that God's men are not cowards. Not God's men. Preachers might be. Those that's graduated from... Colleges might be. But the men that God have called and anointed them, he doesn't put in them a spirit of cowardice. He instills in them a spirit of boldness and strength in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And so what spirit is God giving us? And now so... Holy Spirit is not some smooth, sweet, non-confrontational person of a weak character. That's not the Holy Spirit of God. Now I've seen it presented that way, and uh, in fact, I had a friend. This is just—I mean, it's kind of comical, but this was his idea. He said, "Well, you have God who is." strength and father and strong and might and then you have jesus who's the son and he's strong and then you have the holy spirit who is like the female part of god yeah somebody said "Uh uh-oh you're right no no the spirit of god no the holy spirit of god is just not bring in the female weakness into our life no, I'm going to speak to the contrary of that. I don't know how many of you know, have watched Mike Murdoch, and I, I don't. He, he, he puts it out publicly, so I guess I can say what he says. He didn't even know what life was about. You know, he was a Christian and everything until he met the Holy Spirit. He's wrote, I think he said, 5,000 songs to the Holy Spirit. And he began to sing some of those amorous love songs that he calls to the Holy Spirit makes me sick. His Holy Spirit, we're not doing the same thing. Mm -mm. Soft little, oh, just a little precious little, no, no, that's not, the spirit that was in Christ Jesus, that bold, strong, powerful spirit, not this little, Pansy weak little thing, and you know, I know Rodney gets on this, you know, and, and talks about us being men. And I also, want to talk to the ladies. You don't have to be a man, but you can be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You don't have to be a man, but you can be bold in what you believe. You can be strong in your conviction and stand where you know that you know what you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't like hearing songs written to the Lord or especially to, it's almost like this female Holy Spirit that sounds like something you would say to your girlfriend. I'm not talking to God like he's my girlfriend. I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. I'm going to tell you what, that guy is my leader, he is my idol. I love what He is. I love the strength that He is. I love the boldness that He has. I wish I had more like Him. I wish that I could come more into the stature of the knowledge of Jesus Christ in my life. But I see him as a strong individual. I see him as one who makes a path, one who blazes the way, one who is out in the front of this thing and and he's tackling everything that's in his way by the power of God and the strength of God. The strength of his word goes out. He holds the power of the earth by the strength of his word. He holds all things together together. He's not some weak little sissified character. He is Lord God Almighty and that spirit that raised him from the dead that dwelled in him, it dwells in you and I. So be bold, be strong. It's the right action for Christian lives, those who follow Jesus Christ. If you've received a spirit of cowardice, you have not received the Holy Spirit of God. For He doesn't give us a spirit of a coward. Can you say amen? Wow. But it's my nature to be a coward. Well, you need to get it fixed. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Well, I just don't like confrontation. I'm telling you, you need to get ready, get ready, get ready. So I like to do this because uh, at the first of the year is coming up and all the big-time preachers are going to be doing this business. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Your stuff is coming back this year. You know, all your people are going to do well. The money's coming to you. You're going to get your house paid off. You're going to get your car paid off. Get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm telling you, get ready, get ready this morning. God is going to enable you with boldness in your life. I can't guarantee you that he's going to pay off your car. Now, it might happen. And thank God if he does. But I'll guarantee you one thing. God is going to, by his spirit, if you buy in, if you buy in, God's going to equip you with some stuff. Can you say amen? So, he hasn't given us the spirit of a coward. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. A person who has no set values or principles in their life is a coward. We only think of a coward like we think of a uh, uh uh, military maybe, if we're looking militarily, and um, a person that walks off from their post that leaves, and it used to be uh, a firing squad for, for that person. I don't know anymore what it is, but but certainly a dishonorable discharge and all that. And we would call him a coward. You get into a battle and somebody, you know, they leave for... Don't want to be in a battle, and we call them a coward. But a person that doesn't have a set of principles is a coward. Let me tell you why you don't have a set of principles, if you don't have a set of principles, is because you can float. A chameleon. Has anybody ever been around a chameleon person? Do you like them? Whatever you are, they are. It's beautiful. You're talking, oh, yeah, I believe that. And then you go to the next person, whatever they believe, they believe with them too. It's beautiful, just whatever. They have no set of principles. Because if you have a set of principles, you're going to come into conflict. There are going to be those that are going to challenge your set of principles. And so it's just easier to walk off. A man who will not set his house in order, according to the Word of God, is a coward. No, I, didn't, I, I don't want to offend any. Well, yes, I do. It's kind of, sort of. At least in the sense that we'll do something about it, right? It's up to us men to set our house in order. God has given it. It's easier to walk off, walk away, let it go. Don't, those unruly kids, boy, I tell you what, I can't wait till they get old enough to leave this house. Well, until they do, they're going to come under my order. And I'm going to set it in order because... I'm not afraid to face that. I mean, they think they're strong. I'm stronger. You know, and the kids are 20 and I'm 40, I can still whip them. If I can't whip them physically, I can whip them financially. I mean, I'll whip them some way. I'm going to be a coward and just back off and just let the kids do anything they want to do. Let everything go out of order in my home and and stuff just go awry. No, it's up to us. A man has got to set that house in order. Jesus said a hireling shepherd. A hireling shepherd is nothing but a coward. When he sees the wolf coming to, to attack the flock, what does he do? Stand up? And by the power of God, I resist you. I come against you. What is the wolf that comes against the congregation these days? Heresy, false teaching, false doctrine, false stuff entering into the church, wrong ideas entering into the church, and it's easy for the hireling to say, I'm not going to challenge that because I don't want people mad at me. If they get mad at me, they won't give me money anymore. That's a hireling. A man of God's going to stand up there and say, "Naked I came into this world, naked I'm going to return, but I'm going to protect the flock of God which I have the Lord has delivered over us, and you know" That all of these years I've stood up here and faced this. I'm not saying this morning something that I haven't done myself. I've faced it down. I've called it down. I've, I've, I've cried out what is right by the word of God. No matter where things have gone in the world and in the church world. Because it's the only right thing to do. Otherwise I'm a coward and just slip out the back door. And don't say anything and let the wolf come in and just kill the flock. See, if your faith is wishy and washy, depending on what way cultural issues go, you're a coward. I'm not going to preach against the cultural issues. Well, the men of God are. Mm -hmm. Well, we've had a whole bunch of them jump in the pulpit. I don't know. You don't hear it here. So unless you're watching TV, you you don't realize this. But... Men have gone to preaching about social issues. I refuse to preach about social issues here. We're not here to do social issues. We're here to bring in the kingdom of God. And if things don't line up the way we want, I'm not changing this message for BLM or any other thing that comes up. I'm not changing the message because that has nothing to do with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ reparation has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Social justice has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm here to preach a word of God, and not back up into social issues. A coward does that. Let me tell you here this morning, and you might as well, you might as well face it. If you won't denounce the works of darkness, if you won't call them out for what they are, you're taking the coward's way out. I'm going to tell you, that comes down close sometimes. That comes down to the job. Can you say amen? Now, I'm not saying you got to get on a soapbox and start telling everybody, but you're going to stand for what's right. It doesn't matter what they're doing and what they think and what the boss even, you know, uh, he wants you to cheat, he wants you to cut, I've had it myself. They come to me to cut corners and I won't do it. And, and because I won't do it, they're going to be mad at you. And and then the next time, you're not going to be the one in favor. You're going to be the oddball and you're going to pay the price for all that. But if you stand for what's right, eventually they come around and say, I can't trust anybody on this job but You. Because you're standing bold in what you know is right. It's not wrong to denounce the works of darkness. Man, I'm going to denounce them. I'm going to come against them by the power of God. Can you say amen? Is everybody okay? Say amen. All right, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Here's the alternate answer for us. He hasn't given us a spirit of cowardice, but rather spirit of power that word there's connected with the dunamis it actually means ability and love and soundness no king james said of a sound mind but a mind's part of it it's just the soundness of your whole being mind and character so what we don't preach this morning that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is just an introduction to another person of God and you'll get to speak tongues. I'm not going to tell you that this morning because that's a lie. What I'm going to tell you this morning is when the Spirit of God comes on you, it's not going to be a spirit of cowardice, but it's going to be a spirit of power and ability and of love and know how to handle that and know how to do that and of soundness of mind and soundness of character. This Is what the Spirit of God is putting into us, not the Spirit of fear, but be bold, my friend. Be strong, my friend, in the power of the Lord, not in yourself, not in your own ideas, but be strong in the Lord and the conviction of the Lord and the power of the Lord and the Word of God. Be strong. Be strong. I'm going to close with this. I saw a few people kind of looking. Sometimes we do. Okay. Believe me, we'll be done when I'm over, when I'm through, okay? Let me say this Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, he's hiding in fear. He is a farmer in hiding. And think about us here. I'm going to tell you who God uses, okay? He uses farmers. He uses carpenters. Oh, he uses salesmen. He uses men that work mechanics. He uses men that that do all kinds of menial jobs and, you know, not that important. We look at ourselves, wow, you know, somebody else is a doctor, they're this, they're that. Look at me. God doesn't look at that at all. He comes to a farmer who's hiding out in the back closet. He's just trying to get enough bread for his family. He's willowing some wheat. Angel of God comes to him and says, Thou mighty man of valor. No, what was the angel doing telling him? He wasn't a mighty man of valor. What the angel of God was telling him "Is Get up. Be bold. Be strong. For the Lord thy God is with thee. See, so he's hiding out in the back room. That's the only thing he knows. Just trying to protect his family and feed him. And God said, "Wait a minute. When I go to pick somebody, and, and again, it's not your spirit that's gonna. It's the spirit of God. When God goes to pick somebody, don't listen. Don't don't think He's gonna overlook you just because you don't really mean anything to too many folks. That's that's not the kind of people God doesn't go down. He." Very rare, Paul says, that there's hardly any uh, people that are out of the king's house that are in the kingdom of God. No elite, hardly any elite that are in the kingdom of God. Because I'll tell you what he's doing. He's looking for men and women that will stand up and be bold. Gideon didn't know that he could be bold, but soon he found out. And here's the farmer. He's going to go out and deliver Israel from an unnumberable enemy. It was impossible, but because he was bold in the Lord. Can you say amen? Can you imagine him out there? He's looking over that thing, and there is hundreds of thousands of men down there, and he's got 300, and he's looking over that edge. Okay, Lord. But he's bold enough to act because God has commissioned him. Can you say amen? I would encourage you that this morning. And so finally, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy's a young man. Timothy's got, doesn't have a lot of experience. In fact, he's going to be placed in something that's really above his head a little bit. Paul's going to admonish him, Timothy. You know, he gives him a lot of things. And he gets down to this verse. He said, Timothy, Listen, one thing he says is don't let anybody despise your youth. Remember that? He said, now, Timothy, stir up the gift that is inside of you. This is the previous verse. Stir it up. God in you in the laying on of hands. God delivered unto you a commission to preach this gospel. He delivered unto you into your spirit. Now, Timothy, stir that up because, listen, listen, God hasn't given us a spirit of cowardice. But he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Timothy, with that encouragement and that scripture and that word of God, stood up and he began to pastor, he began to preach, even though they were older than him, even though he didn't have the experience that he needed. But the power of God, what? Made him bold and strong in the Lord. Come on, amen. Come on, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you come up to the to the music this morning? And I thought about this, Lord. I've preached a lot of messages, and I've probably preached along this same line maybe a number of times. But you can't preach too much about being strong in the Lord. So God help us. God help us. I know that there's been people who's been battered. It may be from friends. It might be jobs. It might be family. And in your heart, you're almost like, oh, man, if I could just kind of make concession a little bit, you know, and, and just show that love in there. That's 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 what he needs. That's what she needs. That's, that's what people need. They just, they just need that love, you They need the truth in love. So we stand in the truth first. Can you say amen? And then we love, but we stand in the truth. The message that is half-baked is not going to fix anybody. We've got to take that message with us. God, help us to be bold. Can you say that? How many this morning say, Lord, I want you to help me to be bold? How many would say, Lord, I want you to help me be strong? Would you stand with us? God bless you. In this life we've been made more. We've been made